Welcome to In Your Wildest Dream podcast with your host, Marianne Spears. Discover and connect with your adventurous spirit and learn how you can revive your connections to nature. Marianne Spears is a longtime adventurer, fitness guru, and athlete. The founder of BU Adventures, Marianne is set out to train, empower, and inspire women from all walks of life to get into nature, to walk, hike, trek, swim, run, cycle, and kayak. You name it, there's not much this woman can't do. The In Your Wildest Dream podcast will bring you a selection of interviews with other adventurers, leaders in the outdoor fields, as well as health and wellness experts, all designed to bring you closer to checking off that bucket list and enabling you to see what you can achieve with the right tools, training and inspiration. Let's get to it. Well, good afternoon, people. We're coming to you from the Northern Beaches today and um, I'm interviewing a most remarkable woman by the name of Catherine Devere or Devere. How do you how do you like to be pronounced, Kat? Oh, it's like Devere, like rye bread or rye whiskey, whichever you Devere. prefer. Devere, love that. <laughs> so, Kath or Catherine is a best-selling author, a professional speaker, a change agent, a traveler, a met, you know, a traveler of many lands um, and of the world, and a seeker of curiosities. She has a website called Great Motivation. Um, and she has written, um, she's been twice voted Australian Keynote Speaker of the Year and Australian Executive Woman of the Year. So welcome, Kath, and thank you so much for um, giving of your time today to talk with us. Thanks, Beth. It seems that we've got a lot in common. There's a couple of um, women from the Northern Beaches that like travel and adventure and physical activity and Indeed, indeed. And um, you've done quite a bit of all of that. Um, but I wanted to um, start with, well, I suppose, um, starting with the adventure and the activities that you have done, what is what is taking you on those those journeys? What has your, been your force of um, for you seeking the challenges or seeking that adventure? Well, that's a tough question. Sometimes I've got no idea, especially when I'm up to my you know, knees in snow, I'm going, what on earth am I doing this for? <laughs> I'm not really sure. I guess I've always liked a challenge. I've always liked to push boundaries. And many years ago, someone gave me a birthday card, my best friend, by Helen Keller, and it was like, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. And I guess I've always just liked to push myself both in the business world and push myself physically. But I also just love traveling. Um, I love exploring often on my own and just immersing myself in different cultures where I'm the outsider. I mean, I was an outsider even when I came to Australia. I was a foreigner, but I'm now very much Aussie. Indeed. Um, and I and I think that that um, is, is very much a driving force for for lots of people who travel is sort of that that love of traveling, that love of um, seeking out other cultures. Um, but there's also people out there who um, may not have experienced that or have had some um, something that stopped them from doing that. And that might be, you know, marriage or life experience or a lack of finances or whatever that is. And, and now they're coming to that time of their lives. And I was talking with a group of my um, people who I took away last weekend about this very subject. And I just wanted to ask you a similar question. What would you say to those people, particularly women who, um, who are not quite sure, but they want to dip their toe in, but they, they're just a little bit hesitant. How would you um, 
how would you speak to them and how would you, um, what would you say to them to get them to take that next step? Well, I guess having been a cancer survivor myself and having lost both my parents to cancer when I was 21, I would just say do it. Life is short. If you want to do it, um, there's risk involved in crossing the street. I would say just do it. And But I would also say set, you know, understand what your boundaries are, understand what you think your limitations might be, and just go that little bit further. And you might want to do it with somebody. You might not want to do it on your own. And that's, I guess, the sort of thing that you do with BU Adventures. I love the, the name of your company because it's being you. It's, you know, being yourself. And everybody has different levels of comfort. Um, and do something that you think you can do. Um, and again, financially, you have to look at, you know, what your options are. But there's lots of, I've been very lucky, I suppose, because I've often been traveling for work and being invited to speak at conferences around the world. And then I just add on an adventure trip. I've got my stockings and high heels and laptop and a big computer that I leave at a hotel and I trundle off with a backpack to some far fun place. So I've been quite fortunate from the airfare perspective. But, you know, I think um, there's so many choices we've got. So I think one of the hardest things is deciding what you do want to do because we can't do it all, which sadly. No, we cannot do it all. Um, and I suppose that leads us into that topic that, that you've spoken on on a number of occasions, which is conquering the challenge of change um, and, and being a change agent. So we're seeing, well, I'm seeing, um, and you know, being in my late 50s myself, um, that life takes its changes. And how do we conquer that challenge of, of change, whether it be, um, you know, a life-threatening illness or um, a breakdown of a relationship or marriage, or even just taking, you know, the kids have left home and now you're on your own, or now you, you and your partner want to do your things. So how would you, um, you know, approach that, other, you know, conquering that challenge? I guess the first thing is to understand you're not alone, that we all have challenges, and it's easy to think that when you're going through a challenge that other people's lives are perfect, especially if you spend too much time on social media. And um, I wrote a book a few years ago um, called The Gift of Nature, Lessons from Nature about Resilience and Hope. And the royalties from that went to Lifeline. So I had quite a bit to do with you know, mental health during that, when the launch of that and when that book first came out. And I think one of the, the challenges we've all faced is worry about what you can change and don't waste a lot of energy on stuff you can't change because we're all faced with a choice, whether it be facing a life-threatening illness, whether it be the death of a partner, whether it be your loss of your health or your wealth or your job or whatever. Um, we're always faced with the choice of being a victim of change or a victor from change. And when we're in the middle of it, it seems that it's just too big a mountain to conquer. It's like it's your own little metaphorical Everest. And because I've, I've been to Everest Base Camp and done a lot of walking, I always say to people, how do you get there just one step at a time and sometimes three steps forward two steps back but always to keep your eye on the goal where it is that you want to go and understand that sometimes there are going to be those steps back but we're always faced with that choice of being a victim or a victor from change and we just have to focus on what we can change and not waste a lot of energy on what we can't because like when my folks died and i was an only child and i thought this is a fair way does that happen to me and I came to show the backpack and $200 and a one-way ticket. And I was, for the first six months, I hated Australia. 
I hated myself. I hated the world. I was angry. I was everything, you know, was going pear shaped. And then it was like, okay, like, you know, feeling sorry for myself isn't going to make any difference. You know, overeating, over drinking, doing stupid things, that's not going to make a difference. What can I do? I'm faced with a choice. And I think as women, we always have more choices than we think we do at the time. Mm, and men too. Yes. <laughs> I try not to be sexist either yeah. um, because I you know it, it is about it's not just about women it is about you know all of us women men um, people in general how, how do we um, how do we approach these changes and how do we overcome these obstacles and you've done an extraordinary job in your life of of really taking on that and turning those obstacles into opportunity yeah Sometimes I have, but I'll be honest, during COVID, there were times where, you know, some of my friends, I was feeling a bit down in the dumps because as a professional speaker, I've earned my living speaking in 31 countries, but conferences were all cancelled. And, you know, there were times when I was worried about getting COVID and I was worried about all sorts of things. And one of my friends said, why don't you read your own book? You know, because sometimes we all get down in the dumps from time to time. But one of the sayings I've got in a couple of my books, um, one I wrote a number of years ago called hope happens which is the opposite of shift happens that shift with an f but my grandpa used to say to me Catherine it's okay to be down in the dumps just don't stay there too long and you know sometimes you just need a reminder of what you've got to do because we all go through those ups and downs and people that say their life is perfect um really shouldn't be trusted I totally agree and um you know life is life is like that as we know we go through those peaks and troughs and everybody has those days where you well those days those weeks those times of our lives where yeah we are down in the dumps and I think that's such wise that your grandpa said it's okay just just don't stay there too long yeah, <laughs> yeah. um just realize you come to a realization at some point that it's that you can get past this you've done it before I know that personally I've been in the same situation on many occasions in my life where you know life has thrown its curveballs or I've made bad choices and you know life stops and it's like oh my god you know how am I going to get back from this but no. but you manage to do that and then it's those next times where life whacks you in the back of the head again and knocks you down that you know well god i've been here before i can get out of this exactly it, it may not happen to, instantly yeah. but it will happen exactly i used to live in japan for a couple of years when i worked for ibm and one of my favorite sayings was a japanese saying fall seven times stand up eight and i reminded myself of that many times in fact some of the quotes that i've got in my books i actually have pinned you can't see it because it's a podcast i've got pinned on my little bulletin board near my desk here to remind myself because during covid i said no work my literary agent died out so I, oh, what can i do i can't speak so i'll write a new book and then my literary agent passed away and i'm trying to find a publisher for that book so i have to have things visual at the front of my mind to remind me that, you know, it's not all, you know, when I get rejections, keep on looking for that publisher. That's exactly right. And I think you and I have so much in common. I have a, a vision board that sits in front of me when I'm sitting at my desk that has these these images in front of it, me so that it reminds me, again, a bit like you, you know, those sayings that, um, you, know, um, you know, living a life of purpose or connection, um, you know, things, you know, find your purpose you know yeah. all of those things um and it's it's really about 
reminders, constant reminders that you can do this, that we are, that we're all human beings at times, you know, we, we fall and we have to pick ourselves up or we might need to reach out and, and you reaching, um, you know, promoting, you know, Beyond Blue and Lifeline and those those amazing um, support mechanisms for people with mental health issues or even just the you know, ordinary everyday Australians and we go through this stuff where sometimes we need some help um, and it's okay to reach out. I think it's also one of the things I've learned and I'm a very slow learner at times was never be too proud to ask for help. Because I know on my folks side the doctors said, you know, would you like you know, medication, would you like to see a counsellor? I said, no, that's for crazy people or people from California. We Canadian Presbyterians <laughs> don't do that. You know, that was, that was that generation. Now, I admit that I was wrong, and I think I could have turned my stumbling blocks into stepping stones more elegantly and faster had I, you know, got professional help at the time. But I think the corollary is um, if you break a fingernail you don't need to get it go into therapy as such i think you know it's knowing when to ask for help but never being too proud to do so absolutely yeah um and that's i think that old stigma is has for the most part um been shifted um there are still some of us who are in that old mindset that think that we can do it on our own but uh, it does help to to be able to reach out and actually just take that next step to to do ask for help um so moving along and coming back to the adventure times, um, you've done some amazing adventures. You've written a couple of books. Um, um, so you've trekked to Everest Base Camp. You've done some sandboarding in, in Namibia. How cool does that sound, sandboarding? Can you tell us a little bit about these these particular adventures that you've taken on and, and, and how you got there and, you know, any, any particular... Um, challenges or experiences or stories around around those um those well, there's adventures. always a story with every and usually the worse that things turn out the better the story is in hindsight it's not such a good story when you're in the middle of it at <laughs> of times, course. i must say um i climbed kilimanjaro for my 40th birthday and i went beyond everest base camp for my 60th mm -hmm. and um i've also swum the Bosphorus and the Hellesport. I was over somewhere over 60 when I did that swing from Europe to Asia and I'd never oh swum God. beyond the breakers yeah. at Manly until I trained as a surf lifesaver and I guess I do like to push my boundaries but I guess as I'm getting older I also like to think there's time to know when you push your limits and knowing when it's okay to stay within them. I'm looking at the moment of doing the Camino, um, COVID and Putin willing, um, this European summer, but I won't be, there won't be anything that remotely resembles a tent or a sleeping bag. I'll be doing it the, the soft way in terms of someone delivering my suitcase and I just do the walking. So, um, but I, I do like Namibia, one of the things, the lessons I learned from there, I never sandboarded in my life i never even snowboarded but it's a lot easier swallowing snow than swallowing sand when you do head plants i can well imagine coming from a skiing background myself skiing and surf life saving but um yes i can imagine that uh, sand wouldn't be the best no i actually put a video up on youtube and i sometimes show the video when I'm speaking to conferences, especially with young people, they see this, you know, older, more mature woman and, and they sort of think I look like their mother or their grandmother or whatever. And then I show, show this video of me doing these, jumping off these jumps and head planting and they're going like, 
oh my goodness, you know, and um, I just think it's, you know, it's a matter of just being out there and, and having a go, but, and, but also again, as you get older, being more aware of the risk, risk assessment. And the, I've always, I've been bungee jumping, I've been hang gliding, um, but I've always, I've never really considered myself a big risk taker. I always assess the risk, but as I get older, I know that there's more risk falling now um, from skiing down a mountain, and I'm sure you would agree, than there was 20 years ago. So I'm a little bit more cautious, a lot more cautious, in fact. Yeah, I, I totally hear you on that. And, and even my, for myself, I, uh, you know, I tend to do that risk assessment more, more prudently these days and, you know, know when to hold back in skiing. I know that a couple of years ago I got a bit gung-ho and um, was jumping off the bluff at Threadbow and just <laughs> mistimed it a little bit and landed and um, broke a couple ribs and I decided that I probably next time I tried that I wouldn't go as hard or I just wouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny how our egos and our bodies sometimes collide because with the horrible weather we've been having recently in Sydney, I dragged myself into the gym and I'm not really a gym person. I don't really like gyms at all, but there was really little choice. And I was doing some sort of body pumper. I don't know what it was. Anyway, I, to cut a long story short, I was at my physiotherapist the next day and he's going, you shouldn't have been doing burpees 20 years ago, let alone now. <laughs> what are you thinking? And of course I was with all these young 30 year olds and their, their lovely yummy mummy leotards. I thought oh, I could do that. Well, I couldn't. So you sometimes, I'm, as I said earlier, I think sometimes I'm a slow learner. Uh, look, I think we all uh, we all have those moments where we um, we take on a little bit more than we probably should, and um, you know I'm I'm one of them. You know, me a culpa. I, I put my hand up to do stuff that I probably shouldn't do, um, or other people would think more than twice about, and I'll just dive in sometimes without thinking, and then like you, be regretting it afterwards. Um, yes. There we go. That's life, isn't it? And and look, it's it's okay to do that as long as we don't break ourselves too badly. I think, you know. Yes, exactly. But you know, it's kind of like Humpty Dumpty. So it takes a little longer to piece together as we get older. Our bones are a little bit more. Oh, true. A little yeah. bit less forgiving, I guess, would be the best way of putting it. But <laughs> you know, like I, I remember, like right now, I'm debating. I've got a conference coming up in Budapest in July, which I'm very excited about because it's a live conference with live people from all around the world. People say, you're not going to Budapest with what's happening in Russia. And I'm saying what's happening in Europe and the Ukraine, it's just awful what is happening to the Ukraine. I said, well, look, the conference organizers, they will be assessing the risk for me. They're not, they're not going to have it if it's not safe. And, you know, I guess like when I went to Timbuktu, um, mm. that was kind of crazy, but that I wouldn't even I wouldn't even think of going to Timbuktu now because it's too dangerous. But ten years ago I assessed the risk and when I was in Uganda a few years ago there were more people that died of flu in Australia than they had of Ebola in Uganda. So like substantially more I have to get the figures, but twenty times more and I thought, okay, that's a risk I can I feel I can live with. But now I'm thinking, oh, I don't even know if I want to go to the supermarket these days with the ring. Oh. You know, I think we sometimes over over or underestimate what we can do. Well, well sometimes we overthink what we can or That's can't do. That's a very good point. Yes. Um, you know, overthinking things. I know this is 
coming from a personal experience, I tend to overthink things rather um, too much at times. And and overthinking it can create this whole list of, of things which, like you, um, similarly to what you spoke about before, it's like, well, the stuff that we can't control and we can't change, we just need right. to um, embrace or walk through it or just not overthink it and just keep journeying through. Um, you know, if, if we were that afraid of COVID or that afraid of, of travelling post the COVID outbreak, then we would never do anything. So I think it's about managing the risk between, you know, that's in front of you. Um, and this is just me speaking right now, obviously, for me uh, personally, managing that risk in front of you, knowing that it's there and minimising it as much as you possibly can without trying to overthink it too much. Because I know for me, I'd, you'd become paralysed. Yes. Yeah, paralysis by analysis. Yeah. And we, we can't wrap ourselves in bubble wrap. And I guess one of the things I found um, in terms of, again, COVID really impacted my business, as I mentioned, but 9-11 also did. And on 9-11, I was the keynote speaker at the World Airline Conference on 9-11 in yeah. Brisbane. There were 1,600 delegates. And the topic was you can't control change. You can only control your attitude towards change. And you can imagine the mood at that conference. And at Brisbane Airport, waiting to come back to Sydney, um, a friend called and said her mother died of cancer that day. And to her, that was a much bigger tragedy than thousands of people on the other side of the world, even though my friend's a very compassionate person. And that made me realize that it's the everyday tragedies and everyday lives that we have a much harder time coping with rather than what's on the front page of the newspaper or the six o'clock news beamed into our living room. And I've kept a journal every night since I was 16 when my grandpa died and of inspirational thoughts that got me through tough times. I started writing a letter to my friend, which morphed into a book called Hope Happens, which, as I mentioned, is the opposite of Shift Happens. And it's, you know, whether we've lost a loved one or our health or our wealth, never to lose hope. Um, not false hope, like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and hope everything gets better. But hope, positive attitude combined with positive action in terms of what you can do. And as I said earlier, we've always got more choices than we think, but when we're in the mire, we just often think, oh, this is hopeless, there's nothing I can do, but there's always more options than we think. And talking to people about it, and you know, oftentimes I come up with solutions for things. I might just be out walking with a buddy or you know, having a coffee after with some people I've swum with and or just even being on my own out in nature. And it's amazing. Um, Sometimes clarity comes, sometimes it doesn't. But I, I really do feel that time spent in nature helps with our mental well-being. That's not just what I feel. There's research from Stanford University to prove that. There is indeed. Um, there is a lot of research out there that proves that um, that 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 immersion in nature or that that just that connection with nature um, can give us that clarity. Can just provide us with that um that space to um let everything else fall away and and whether that clarity comes um it still gives you that space um and the clarity might come later or it might not come or it may come to you in that moment um regardless you have that space to stop 
and let your brain just regenerate a little bit or let your body regenerate a little bit, even if you're walking or hiking or doing whatever it is that you're doing. And like you say, um, whether you be with friends or you've been out for a swim and, and I do a similar, you know, I have a swim in the ocean most days, except obviously from the last number of weeks when we've been, the ocean's been so awful. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. Yeah, that, that real, real clarity from being in nature. Um, and I, I'm about to, well, I'm in the process of writing a blog at the moment about um, just allowing um, nature or allowing the Indigenous culture um, or asking permission of nature to be in her space. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a powerful revelation for me. So I won't go into that too much, but it, it's, it's all about that connection, all about that um, that you touched on there was just that space in nature that gives you that um, that real clarity or that just that ability to reflect. It's funny, I'd always felt that intuitively and it wasn't until I was researching that book, The Gift of Nature, that I came across all this research and like even gardening, which I, I don't, I've got a purple thumb, I, you know, I could kill indoor pop, you know, silt plants probably, I'm not a great gardener, but even there were studies done in Norway where people were given um, antidepressants and then there were some that were given sort of placebo antidepressants and there were other groups that were out gardening and the gardening group did as well in many of the cases so it's that there's, mm. there's no one size fits all but for me no matter how bad i'm feeling even if it's bucketing with rain as it has been in sydney even going out in the rain i've come i just feel better after not when i start usually but yeah um i think we we sometimes forget that um that our skin's waterproof that a little bit of rain isn't going to hurt us um yeah, <laughs> yeah. <It's true. laughs> we, can, we we will recover and thankfully it's it's not cold outside at the moment it's lovely and warm no, so we true. we don't have to get freezing cold and you know be out in the elements as such apart from those rather nasty days that we had yeah no, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit of a wuss these days and friends say well, you're from canada you shouldn't mind the cold i'm going why do you think I left? <laughs> I really think I only like cold weather if I'm I don't really like it that cold for skiing. I think there's no other reason that snow should be allowed on earth except to ski on. Oh, I'm 100% with you <laughs> on that one. Yeah, 100%. That's not shoveling my drive. You know, we used to <laughs> shovel the driveway every morning to get the car out and plod through knee deep snow to get to school. Nope. Nope. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so, Catherine, you've had rather um, oh, varied but um, distinguished business career as well, um, both in, um, in, in business, government, education and as a communicator. Um, and, um, and I know that your, your key um, part of what you do, apart from being an author, is being a speaker. Um, and what kind of speaking... Um, are you engaged in um, in this day and age now that we're sort of this post-pandemic and and how um, how are you managing through all of this right now? Well, I made a choice not to do virtual presentations unless the client went into or we went into lockdown a couple of days before the conference because I think it's a different skill speaking on stage with the energy, whether you're speaking to 15 people or 15,000 people, it's a different energy and a different skill to looking at Zoom and having all the technical stuff to go with it because I use a lot of 
I'm a very amateur photographer, but I use pretty good high quality images and videos and music and really connect with people on an energetic level, which I know sounds a little bit woo woo. So I've only really had since um, this year, I've only had one live audience. I've spoken to 600 nurses uh, recently that I had to do on Zoom because it was we went into lockdown and like very quickly, that was in Melbourne. Um, but I've only had one live audience um, since last, I think I've only had three live audiences in three years and I, I have two years and I made that decision not to do it. So the live audience a couple of weeks ago in Coogee was fantastic. And I think I don't, so I can't really say too much about what the people are feeling, but generally speaking clients and the one in Budapest, and I think I've got another one in Dublin with the Dublin Institute, the um, Irish Institute of Management when I'm over in Europe, they generally want a mixture of stuff that, stuff that's a bad word information that can help people in their professional lives it's going to help the company be more productive and also help people in their personal lives and i first started in this business as a professional speaker when i was wrote a book on customer service after having lived in japan and it became a number one bestseller so that's why i only spoke for maybe five years on customer service but now i speak about service to your customers to your colleagues which is teamwork to your community and to yourself. And I find most conference briefs that I get, and I never give the same presentation twice, but most of the event organizers want a mix of the professional and the personal. They want a mix of humor and a mix of serious content. They don't want anything too woo-woo, to use a technical term. Um, And you've got to be pretty funny to keep audiences engaged and tell stories. But there's no one-size-fits-all with conferences. So no, I, totally I probably get that. answered that in a roundabout way. Yeah. No, um, I think you, you covered most of it pretty well, actually. And um, and I think just um, really key to that in this day and age is just being more productive um, in a business sense as well as it personally. And we're coming to the last little um, minute of our, our recording here at the moment. So I will um, have to close it out shortly. Um, yeah. But... I shall definitely pop um, some links on this podcast um, so that if people would like to connect with you and um, and get some more information, we'll um, pass that through to them. And um, just wanted to really thank you so much for sharing your stories and um, and your wisdom um, and for uh, spending the time with us this afternoon. Well, you're welcome. And on, I've got a YouTube channel and uh, there's a Fabulous. great video on it called Timbuktu to Kathmandu. Um, and it's about travels to 139 countries. It's not, it's free. It's nothing commercial. All right, we'll put that um, on. <laughs> and it's just a really, it's a feel-good song that I collaborated with a young musician. I think people would love that. We will definitely put that YouTube channel up um, and we will um, invite people to to come on board and, and take a look at that. I think it sounds fabulous. Timbuktu to Kathmandu. I'd be on it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the name of the book that i can't find a publisher for yet well any publishers out there we'll uh, um, connect with Catherine and uh, and see what we can do terrific thanks very much man thank you so much and um enjoy the rest of your afternoon and we'll look out people for this fabulous episode with Catherine devry on um in your wildest dreams Terrific. Thanks. Thanks. Look forward to connecting in person one day. Absolutely. We shall indeed. Okay. Take care. Bye for now. Bye.
Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of In Your Wildest Dreams. If you'd like to learn more about Mary Ann Spears and the BU Adventures, please head to buadventures.com. Until next time, keep your adventures alive.